and communities with little to no witness to the true God, communities steeped in paganism, demonic activity, and idolatry can be powerfully impacted by a church living sold out lives for Christ. All right, and this happens through a spirit-empowered body of believers. So when you study the book of Acts, you are gonna see that it is the Holy Spirit who takes center stage in this book of the Bible. The term by or through the Spirit appears 51 times in the book of Acts. And so while some people have stated that the title for the book of Acts, and traditionally this is what they call it, is the Acts of the Apostles, what you will find is that it is not just the apostles doing the work of Christ, but it is many others, and it is truly the Holy Spirit who is central. The better title for the book of Acts may be the Acts of Christ's Church Empowered Through the Spirit. The Acts of Christ's Church Empowered Through the Spirit. Acts tells of the power of the Holy Spirit on God's people. Now, if you study the Gospel of Luke, you will see that Luke emphasizes the Holy Spirit in his work a lot. Throughout the Gospel of Luke, you will see more references to the Holy Spirit than in any other Gospel. And in Acts, what Luke is showing is that just as the Spirit came upon Christ, he is now enabling the church and coming upon the church so that they can do the very exact same things that Jesus did. And so Acts takes you on an incredible journey of the spread of the gospel, the birth and the establishment of Christ's church, and the incredible advancement of God's kingdom throughout the civilized world at that time. Now, Acts is the detailed demonstration of what we studied on December 17th and December 31st around God's intentions for the Messiah and the church. So I would recommend everybody to go back and listen or re-listen to those sermons Because God's intentions that we talked about and we saw for the coming of the Messiah and the church and the transformation they are to bring to the world are on full display in the book of Acts. Those intentions and the promises begin to be fulfilled in Acts through the powerful spread of the gospel and of the kingdom. And that is what Acts shows. Acts shows how the gospel began to fulfill the Great Commission. So if you dive into Acts and you start studying it, what you will find is in chapters one through seven, you will find the spread of the gospel throughout Jerusalem. And then in chapters eight through 12, you'll see that the gospel begins to spread outwards and Acts shows how it begins to impact Judea and Samaria. And then in chapters 13 to 28, it begins to show how the gospel begins its spread to the ends of the earth. Now I say begins because Acts is sort of an oddity of the books of the Bible in that there is no formal ending to the book. How many people have read Acts and you get to the end of it and you're just kind of like, this is strange, right? It's just sort of a strange ending to it. So what happens is Luke is writing about Paul who was in prison in Rome and he just seems to sort of stop writing. He just stops writing. He's writing, Paul's in prison and he's writing about what's happening there and it just seems like it stops. Now, some scholars have proposed that maybe Paul was abruptly released from prison, so Luke just stopped writing. But what we know is that Luke was writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, so he stopped writing and didn't put a formal ending because the Holy Spirit did not inspire him to put one. This means it is God's intentions for there to be no formal ending to the book of Acts. You say, why no formal ending? Well, because as we said earlier, the book of Acts is really the acts of Christ's church through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, 
which is to continue throughout all of the church age until the gospel of the kingdom permeates to the very ends of the earth. The growth of the church, the expansion of the kingdom in the first generation of the church and the work of the spirit didn't end then, so neither does the book of Acts. So the work of the Spirit in and through the church is to continue throughout the church age. Each generation should be writing and adding their chapter to this account. We as Bethel in this season are called to live out our acts and add our chapter as well. All right? Now I'm not saying we add to scripture, right? Don't don't get me wrong on that. Not saying we add to scripture. What I'm saying is we add the acts of what Christ is doing in our church through the Spirit we should be doing those exact same things. All right, so who's ready to dive in and see what is available for us as Bethel to walk in for our day in our community? All right, let's pray over this. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word, for truth, for that which inspires us. We thank you for the book of Acts. And I pray, Father, that as we study Acts, we wouldn't look at it as merely a historical account of what you have done but rather a picture of what you want to do. I pray, Lord, that we as Bethel would live out our Acts journey, that we wouldn't just gain head knowledge, but we would be transformed and we would be prepared to walk in the exact same things that we read about in this incredible book of the Bible. And so, Father, we are praying for Holy Spirit outpouring on this church and that we would rise up and that we would write our chapter as well. We just love you and thank you in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so if you have your Bibles, you should know where we're going. We're gonna go to Acts chapter one and start from the beginning. Acts one, we are gonna read verses one to three today. It says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And so here we are in verse one, and we see that the book of Acts is addressed to Theophilus. This is the same person that if you read the Gospel of Luke, you will see that that Gospel is addressed to. Now, most scholars believe this would have been a specific person. However, Theophilus is also translated as lover of God or loved by God. And so there is also the possibility that it was written generally to all who love God. Now, regardless of which it is, it doesn't really matter because we know while the Bible wasn't written directly to us, it was all certainly written for us. And so Luke begins by referencing back to a former book, which is the Gospel of Luke that he also wrote. And he references back to the things that Jesus began to do and teach. Note that it speaks both to things taught and things that were done, both. Now, we have discussed this previously as Christ's pattern and the pattern of the early church. They wouldn't just simply speak about things, but they would speak and they would do. It was always proclamation of the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, and then demonstration of what that means. See, we don't study the Bible to simply obtain facts and head knowledge. 
The gospel and the word of God is not an academic exercise, but rather the truth of God to bring transformational power of the kingdom, both in our lives and then to the world. And the disciples follow this pattern set by Jesus. And in the book of Acts, it records time and time again, both things that are taught and things that are done. So there's long sections capturing sermons, things that the disciples were teaching, but it also contains many accounts of what the church was also doing. See, the church in our day desperately needs both. We need both. We need to be a church that does both. See, we need good teaching and we must be students of the word of God. If there is one thing that I can suggest to you at the beginning of this new year that will change your life radically, it's to get dedicated to studying the word of God this year. To truly get dedicated to studying the word of God. Not just reading it, but studying it. Diving in to really understand what God is saying. Make learning God's word a priority. See, I consider myself a sold-out, fiery Pentecostal. I believe in all the gifts of the Spirit. I believe they should be operating in full. I believe that God wants to speak directly to each and every one of us in our hearts, in our minds. I believe he wants to give us dreams and visions. But recognize that God also wants to speak to every single one of us every single day through his word. Right? Recognize that today. I am all for God speaking things into our heart and mind, giving us dreams, giving us visions. But if you want to hear God speak, you can hear him speak every single moment of every single day by cracking open the word of God and saying, Lord, speak to me. Lord, speak to me. See, some of the most powerful, clear times where God has dropped things into my heart that have been truly life-changing have been during times of reading his word. See, the word of God is active and alive. It's not a relic of the past. So I encourage everybody to make that a priority this year, pressing in to know the word of God. I also encourage anyone who is able to come on out on Wednesday nights. Wednesday nights are our nights dedicated to discipleship at Bethel. We have something for every single age group. Let me throw a quick plug in. Pastor Jeff is gonna be teaching a class on the intertestamental period. It's that time between Malachi in the Old Testament and John the Baptist's arrival in the New Testament. An understanding of this time period and the events happening in the world and the things happening to God's people during that time, a proper understanding of that is vital to so much of the New Testament. So I would recommend if you are able to come out on Wednesday nights, come on out to the atrium. Pastor Jeff is gonna be teaching that course. Pastor Jeff is one of the best teachers I've ever seen. And so you will not regret the time you spend there. Learning the word, studying the word, having the truth of God's word is foundational in our lives. But we must never be satisfied with simple head knowledge. We must allow that word to transform us. And then we must press in until we also do what Christ said we would do. We cannot be satisfied as a body of believers until we see the power of the Holy Spirit operating in each of our lives. We must allow the truth of God's word to bring us to life-changing, transformational encounters with him because those who have been transformed are then positioned to bring transformation. Those who have been transformed by the Spirit of God are prepared to go forth to bring that same transformation to this world. The supernatural power of God is not meant to be an add-on. 
Signs, wonders, and miracles are meant to be part of the package. They are core to the gospel. And we should be open to and we should expect that God will do those things in this church and through every single one of us. See, I love that about the book of Acts. I love that in the book of Acts, you see the Holy Spirit operating not just in the apostles and in the church leaders, but in and through so many others, reminding us that this is available to any who receive Christ and are willing to press in for all that he has for us. So we need the truth of God and we need the power of God. Luke says, Jesus, he did things, he taught things. It was both things that he taught and things that he did. We need truth and we need power. They are two pillars of an impactful church. And we're gonna see later in the book of Acts that demonic cities completely under the stronghold of idolatry and Satan are greatly impacted with the gospel through the church walking in both of those things, teaching the truth of and demonstrating the power of the kingdom of God. And so we must never settle for either or, it's both and. I will stand here today and I will say we will never compromise truth at this church, but we must also never settle for less than what God says is available. We will press in for Holy Spirit outpouring and empowerment. We will follow the model that Jesus himself set. See, Jesus is truth, he is truth in the flesh, but you also see that he was anointed with power from the Holy Spirit. So we need both, we need truth and we need power. And verse two is where we see the first of the many references to the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. Check out verse two. It says, until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. So here we see the first mention of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, and it's sort of an interesting one. So Jesus, after his resurrection, remember the book of Acts is after the resurrection, he is teaching and giving instructions to the apostles, and Luke tells us that it was through the Holy Spirit. Now don't view this as some sort of like whisper down the line where Jesus spoke something to the Holy Spirit, and then the Holy Spirit spoke it to the disciples. Rather, it means that the Holy Spirit was present and active in helping the disciples to receive that teaching, to understand that teaching, and to bring transformation through that teaching. Now, the question that may follow here is, why would Jesus need the Holy Spirit to give instructions to the apostles? Right? You see these little details in these verses that sometimes we just blow right by them, but it says that Jesus gave instructions through the Holy Spirit. Well, I don't believe it's so much that Jesus needed to, but rather he chose to. So John 16, 13, this is Jesus speaking. He says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. Now in John 16, this is before Jesus's death and resurrection. He is teaching his disciples that it is to their advantage that after the resurrection, he goes back to heaven because when he does, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will be present with them and with all believers. So it is the job and the office of the Holy Spirit to lead the disciples into truth, to teach them and to open to their hearts and their minds to what they're receiving from Jesus and the Father. And so here, what Luke is doing by saying that Jesus taught them through the Holy Spirit is Luke is showing that what Jesus promised has taken place 
and the Holy Spirit is present and taking the words of Christ and helping the apostles understand them and grasp them. It is proof that the Holy Spirit was with them exactly as Jesus had previously promised. Now, this is really good news because if the Holy Spirit was with them and active in fulfilling this promise of Christ, then he is also going to fulfill every promise of Christ and he is with us in the same manner today. So we have the promise that the Holy Spirit is able to do the same for us as he did for the disciples of Christ then. And we know that the Holy Spirit is here. He is active. He is working. We aren't out there trying to do this on our own. See, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that draws men and women to Christ, not us. We are called to proclaim truth. We are called to love them. We are called to serve them. We are called to be authentic disciples of Christ, but recognize it's the Holy Spirit that draws them. The Spirit's power is here to help us understand the scriptures and how we can apply them to our lives. He takes the truth and brings the transformation as we allow him to work in our lives. Now, that's an important thing as we allow him to work in our lives. If you want God to do something in your life, just offer it up with an open hand. Just offer it up with an open hand and he'll be more than glad to come take that thing. The Spirit's power provides us overwhelming victory over sin and the things of our past that would try to hold us back in our walk with Christ. The Holy Spirit is here to bring healing to our mind and emotions, to be our comforter and our peace. He is here to bring healing to relationships, to marriages, to help us forgive. The Holy Spirit is here and he forms the fruit of the Spirit in our lives so that the very character of Christ can be formed in us. And the Holy Spirit is here and his power works through us so that we can see the power of God in miraculous ways and we can see the gifts of the Spirit operate through us as well. Things like words of knowledge, supernatural wisdom, prophetic words, laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. These are through and from the Holy Spirit. And there are so many more examples, but what we should grasp is that the Spirit that works so powerfully then, and we will see this throughout the book of Acts, is the same spirit that wants to work so powerfully now. And Luke in that verse calls it out specifically that the Holy Spirit was there and he was working with them. So here in verse two, we see that Jesus is preparing his disciples as he will soon be ascending back to heaven and he is giving specific instructions to the apostles. Now, this isn't a main point of what Luke is trying to call out, but there is something really interesting here that we should discuss because of its implications for the book of Acts and in highlighting God's intentions for the church. Why did Jesus call them apostles? Did you ever ask those sorts of questions? I like to ask questions because I think when you do, then God kind of answers them for you. But why did Christ refer to certain people in the church as apostles? Why did he do that? Why did Jesus call them that? Why did Christ call a specific office that some people in the church are called to as apostles? What you will see is this was an intentional choice made by Jesus, though it probably would have been a bit odd. So in Luke 6, 13, it says, When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, who he also designated apostles. Ephesians 4 later names apostles as one of the offices of the fivefold ministry. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And I've said it before and here that if we believe there are still evangelists and pastors and teachers in the church today, then you must also believe there are apostles and prophets. 
I find it quite ironic that there are people that call themselves pastors and stand in a pulpit and proclaim there are no apostles and prophets, but they call themselves pastor, right? It's apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. There's no ending to that anywhere in the scripture. So at this time, what's really interesting is that the term apostle wouldn't have been a term that would have been used in a religious manner. It wouldn't have been a church word, if you want to call it that. Rather, the term apostle was a classical Greek term, meaning one who was sent off. Now, what's interesting is the Romans then adopted this Greek term, and they would use this term for somebody who was a personal representative for the king or, the C- or for Caesar, who was functioning as their ambassador with their authority. All right, so if you remember the Roman Empire, it was a broad empire, huge empire. And the Romans understood that the best way to keep conquered people as part of that empire was to try and assimilate those people to Roman culture. So what would happen is when Rome would conquer an area, they would send a delegation that included someone who was an apostle who was sent to represent the king and to bring the transformation and to make conquered areas look more like Rome. They went there with a mission to instill Roman culture, Roman values, and Roman beliefs. So tie this together. Why did Jesus use the term apostle? Well, when Jesus instantiated the office of apostle, it was a statement that there was an apostolic calling on the church to go forth and see people brought into Christ's kingdom and that the church shouldn't just exist as a building in a community, but rather as a people who bring the transformational power of Christ's kingdom, his culture, his values, and his beliefs to that community. Recognize that this morning, that Christ put an apostolic calling on the church. He used the term apostle because everybody would recognize that. They would say, all right, we understand. Roman apostles are sent forward to try to instill their culture into that community. And now apostles are stood up in the church so that the church could have an apostolic calling so that we would go forth to instill the values and the beliefs of Christ into our community. There's an apostolic calling on us. They were called apostles because the gospel of the kingdom is not merely meant to get people saved so they can go to heaven when they die, but rather to bring the very influence of heaven to earth. And there's an apostolic calling on the church today to see the culture of heaven brought to this earth. Now, what we must never forget is that this is not accomplished through a militant force, but it's accomplished through laid down lovers of Christ. It is accomplished through the authentic display of who Christ is. It is the proclamation of the truth of the gospel and the demonstration of his power in transforming lives. See, the only thing we should ever be militant towards are demonic principalities and powers and forces in the heavenly realm, right? That is what we are militant towards is those demonic forces that are trying to influence this earth. We are a kingdom people. We are serving as Christ's ambassadors, representing, which means representing Christ to the world in which we live. And that leads naturally to what Christ was teaching them that we see in verse three. In verse three, it says, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And so Jesus was around on the earth for 40 days after his resurrection before he ascended back to heaven. 
And it says that he provided many convincing proofs that he was alive. And you can see some of these things recorded in the closing chapters of the various gospel accounts. It was Jesus making sure that everyone knew that he was alive, that death had no hold on him. And this sets Christianity apart from every other religion of the world because every religion has had a religious leader and every single one of them, that leader has died and stayed in the grave. But Jesus is alive. And because he is alive and his promise of his resurrection was true, we can believe every promise of God's word is true and that it is yes and amen in him. Now Luke documents something very important for us around what Christ taught. And what he records is really important for us to understand. It was the last teachings of Christ to his disciples while on the earth. See, the last words that are spoken are really important. And so parents, maybe you're here and maybe you recall the very first time that you left your kids alone at the house. Anybody remember the terror of that moment? I see a lot of head nodding here. The very first time that you left your kids alone at the house, leading up to the time you were getting ready to leave and you were leaving them, you gave them all sorts of instructions, right? You told them a million different things that they should do and they shouldn't do, everything else. And yet, when you're getting ready to walk out that door, we all know that kids don't listen so well. Some adults don't listen well either, let's just be honest. But you know that those kids probably didn't hear most of what you just said. And so you save the most important thing you need to tell them as the very last thing before you exit. The most important thing that you need to tell them is saved for last. When you're getting ready to walk out that door, you're not making jokes, you're not laughing around, you're saving that most important thing. It's probably something along the lines of, don't be stupid and please call me if there's an emergency, right? You might testify. You save the most important thing. The last word is reserved for what is most important and what you want them to remember above all else. And Luke here records part of what those last things are. And what did Jesus teach them on? It says he taught them on the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. This is so important that Jesus said the last things, the things that I want to be just in their minds for them to make sure they remember the last things I'm speaking to them before I ascend back to heaven, I'm gonna teach them on the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God and the apostles' understanding of it was vital, and so it was part of those last things that Christ taught them. Now, in December, we looked at Isaiah foretelling the Messiah and his birth and the establishment of his government, his kingdom, the ever-expanding kingdom to which there is no end to its increase. So we know that God's intentions were for Messiah Jesus to come to this earth to bring and to establish an ever-increasing kingdom that is to advance into all of the earth. God's original commission to Adam and Eve to be fruitful, multiply, and subdue the earth was renewed in the great commission to go and make disciples of all nations. Some of this is repeat, but I wanna make sure we get this down because you see how important the kingdom is. The true gospel message is more than just accepting Christ to go to heaven when you die. It's the gospel of the kingdom that the kingdom is here, the kingdom of Christ is present and active in our world through his body, the ecclesia, the church. And we can enter into this kingdom through salvation and then we are called to play our part in advancing that kingdom into our world. 
This is worth giving our lives for. Jesus left the disciples with the motivation for them to give everything that they were, and we know that every single one of them indeed did. Those last words, those most important things, Jesus said, I need to teach them on the kingdom of God. And if the worship team wants to go ahead and come up. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, Christ's kingdom, it is here. And we as the church are called as the agents of advancement into the community we have been placed and in partnership with those taking the kingdom around the world. The message of the kingdom is paramount, so important that Christ spent his last earthly time with the disciples instructing them on it. It was the calling on the disciples then, and it is the exact same calling on us now. Matthew 6.10, we're all familiar with this, and it teaches us that we are to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven as it is in heaven. This isn't just a nice little prayer we pray. It is the revelation of God's intentions for this world. It is on earth as it is in heaven. See, this is the cry of our heart that the transformational power of God's kingdom would come to the earth, displacing darkness and all that comes with it, and that we would see this transformational power impact our community and our world so that the superior realities of heaven displace the inferior ones on earth. So in step with this calling from our Father, that we are called to live lives of true impact and meaning, to be transformed from the inside out so that we can go forth to our community and see it transformed, in recognition that we are not called to simply be a people who are only holding on until we get to heaven someday, in line with the understanding that we as Bethel are part of the ecclesia, the governing body of Christ, carrying his power and authority our mission and consequently the mission statement for why we exist as a church is evident. And I'm really, really excited to share with you today the new mission statement of Bethel. You guys ready? You ready? You already know it because I've said it a million times. Can we flash that up on the screen? Oh, there it is. They're so good. On earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. Come on, Bethel. This is the new mission statement of why we exist. This is what we are called to. The mission of our church is to be a place where people can encounter the transformational power of God's kingdom and be forever changed. And to be a church that takes this transformational power to our community and this region so that they are forever changed as well. We are here not to simply come to church, but to be the church. And our mission is that in the years to come, we will go forth bringing that transformational power of God's kingdom, displacing darkness with light, seeing things increasingly on earth as it is in heaven. This new mission statement is our declaration that we are a victorious people serving a victorious God, comprising a victorious church, and we are dead serious about doing our part and being all that God has called us to be and doing all that he's called us to do. This is our declaration that we are gonna be about God's business. Now this mission was really clear to the pastoral staff as we consider this new mission statement for the church. So the Lord had placed this on my heart almost immediately after I had got voted in in June. Now, recently in one of our pastoral staff meetings, I asked all of them to pray about the mission of the church and what a new mission statement may look like. And in the next meeting, I went ahead and introduced this to them. And I can tell you, I was really nervous, right? 
You ever have that fear of somebody just like totally rejecting something you feel strongly about? I was in that moment, I was like, man, what if this isn't it, but I feel really strongly about it. But it was amazing because as soon as I spoke that out, you could see that it immediately resonated and there was complete agreement. Now it's amazing how God just orchestrates everything. And I love that he makes us look smarter than what we probably are, right? Anybody wanna confess that? God sometimes just makes us look smarter than what we actually are. So this is me standing before you this morning, making sure that God gets all the credit because I actually didn't plan the launch of the mission statement with the sermon series of Acts, but honestly, there is no better book of the Bible to study to understand what on earth as it is in heaven means than the book of Acts. Because we will see week after week exactly what it looks like for God's kingdom to come in power and for on earth as it in heaven to be experienced. So in the weeks to come, we will study this, we'll speak practically to what it means. I hope you're excited, Bethel. I hope you're excited because we are believing that our mission is for God's kingdom to come, his will to be done and to be done here as it is perfectly in heaven. This is to be a place where you can come and find healing, wholeness, joy, peace, identity, acceptance and love and also find true purpose and meaning in life. A place where people can come and be healed physically and emotionally so that they can take that healing out to others. This is to be a place where you can come and make your life count for something by joining a body of believers who are dedicated and sold out to impacting our community and impacting eternity. A life dedicated to Christ and changing the community and impacting eternity is truly one worth living. So here here we are, Bethel, my amazing Bethel family. We're just a bit more than six months into this new season of this church. And we have our new mission statement. And most importantly, we have a community and a region that is around us waiting for Bethel to rise up and write our chapter in the book of Acts, to do our part in taking the gospel to our end of the earth. There's a people out there just waiting for us to arise and shine. There's a people out there waiting for us to say, Lord, we will give our lives fully to this one thing, that the name of Jesus would be exalted in this community. It's gonna be an amazing year. It's gonna be amazing years to come. This is gonna be good. I encourage you all to just press into this to live sold out, to join us each and every week as we dive into this amazing book of the Bible because we're gonna see the amazing things that they did, we can also do. And I just encourage you to come and find your place to serve. Find where God wants to fit you into this body because you are a vital part of us rising up and being everything he created us to be. All right, why don't you go ahead and stand? Let's go ahead and land this plane this morning. on earth as it is in heaven. It means the reality of heaven is present here and then we take it out there. There is no sickness in heaven. There's no depression in heaven. There's no anxiety and grief. If you're here this morning and you need a touch from God, we would love to pray with you. If you're here this morning and you feel like you're not growing in your relationship with Christ, we would love to pray for you. 
If you're here this morning and you feel like you don't have a relationship with Christ, you don't need to leave here today feeling that way. You can come forward and one of the pastors, one of the prayer team will pray with you and walk you into that. So in a few moments here, we're gonna have the prayer team come and they will be available for anybody that needs prayer for anything. If you need healing in your body, don't walk out of here today. Let God do something in your life. But before we do that, I just want us to come together as a church and let's just present ourselves to God and say, Father, we give ourselves to this mission. We give our lives that it would be on earth as it is in heaven, here at Bethel and then into our communities. And so can you just join me right now? Can you just lift your hands to heaven or put them out before you? Father, we come before you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you have done. Lord, we thank you for the incredible things we have seen in just these last six months. We give you the praise for it. We give you the glory for it, God. But we say that we are desperate for more. We are desperate for more of you, Lord Jesus. We are desperate for more of the Holy Spirit's power operating in and through this church. Lord, we come together and we say that we give ourselves to this, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we pray that every time we gather together, that the heavenly realities would be present in this room, that it would displace darkness and bring healing and wholeness and joy and peace. Father, that this would be a church so saturated with your presence that when people enter here, they would say it's like heaven on earth. And then Father, I pray that as you heal us, as you transform us, as you raise us up and empower us through your spirit, that Bethel would go forth into our community like we never have before, and that we would bring this great gospel of the kingdom, and we would see in our communities that it would be on earth as it is in heaven. And so, Father, we've come before you, and we give ourselves to this thing. Lord, fill us with your spirit. Touch each and every heart that is here today. Lord, let us rise up and be the church that you have called us to be. And may we be a church that makes eternal impact for you. Father, I pray that every person, those that are here today, those watching online, those that weren't able to be here, Father, that each one would find their place in this body because we need the entire body so that we are whole and going forth in everything that you have for us. And so may we all have hearts that serve, Lord Jesus, servants' hearts, servants' hearts to serve you and to serve your kingdom. I just thank you for every person that's here, Father. We thank you, God, for the increase that's on its way. We give you the praise for it now. Father, we give you praise for the miracles that are gonna take place. We give you praise, God, for the marriages that are gonna be restored, for poverty that's gonna be broken off of people's lives. Lord, we thank you for the incredible things that we are gonna see in these days to come. And Lord Jesus, above it all, the cry of our heart, the thing that we are most just dedicated to is that your name and your name alone would be glorified and lifted high. That the name of Jesus would be exalted in our lives and in our community. And so we love you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for what you are gonna do. We give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor. And it's in your name we pray, amen, amen. Can I have some of my prayer team come on up to the front? If you are here this morning and you need prayer for anything, you have this amazing team that is here and they would love to pray with you. We're gonna go ahead and just worship the Lord a little bit longer. You can stay and linger. You can come for prayer. You can press in. 
If you need to go, I just bless you in the name of Jesus. I love you all so very much. It's gonna be amazing, Bethel. It's gonna be amazing. Just bless you. Have a wonderful week. Love you all. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG, Littlestown, Pennsylvania.